Hey homebodies, it's Robin and Molly and we're here to remind you that if you're looking to buy a home or refinance to be sure to check out our platinum sponsor Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. Aaron is licensed in Minnesota and Wisconsin and is a top lender in the area. You can find his information on our website homeiswherethemurderis.com in all our show notes and on all of our social media platforms. Again, if you're looking for the best in lending, check out Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. Hi, I'm Robin. And I'm Molly. And this is... Home is Where the Murder Is. Yeah! Woohoo! Here we are again. Ba-bam! <laughs> wow, wow, wow! How are you doing? Doing good. How are about you, you? Feeling good, are you? Feeling great. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Are you okay? No. <laughs> I'm doing fine. Are you tired? No, I'm constantly... So what's happening? <laughs> I'm constantly tired, but will I sleep more? No. 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 Is there time to sleep more? No. no. No, there's no time. Not no. when you work multiple jobs. Oh, and, God. Yeah. And um, have multiple children and yep. well, multiple live multiple lives, it feels really, like. Honestly. I mean, honestly. Lots of hats. Yep. All the... I have... And I don't even look good in hats. I think you're beautiful in everything you wear. <gasps> Thank you. Yep. You're welcome. Thank you. What are we recording today? Part two of our live, live show. show. Yep. So, yep. yep, it's your turn for it's my turn to tell everyone what you said at the live show. <laughs> tell them a little story. Well, and I'm kind of excited about it because I was so, my brain was so consumed with my case. Yeah. That I kind of. I went first. Yep. And that I, I, I feel like I didn't get to really enjoy yours as much as I would have wanted to. Yeah. So I'm excited to give you my full attention and yeah. just go just be here go for at it, it. Yeah. yeah you don't have to think about doing yours next at the live exactly. show yeah. yeah that was awful um no great live show though yeah great, it was li- fun great great turnout so hopefully everyone made it through robin's episode last week yeah sorry about that so, so robin sends her um apologies have to check the group to see if we lost a few people no they were like this bitch no. no kidding it was awful but i appreciate those of you that stuck in there and you know, so um, you know what I didn't mention though the last time was what? I forgot I wanted to mention again. Thank the folks of Hinzy Homemade. Oh yeah, for our koozies that, and they made us these really cute bags too. Yep, that say uh, "dead inside" but caffeinated, and it's yep. like a a skull no, skull. <laughs> skeleton skeleton hands holding like a coffee yep so uh i've gotten many compliments yeah when i'm wearing it out i know same so uh we we had posted photos of that on our facebook page but check out their website because they have some cute stuff especially for kids yep and they they did such a great job with our koozies and everything so we have a bunch of home is where the murder is koozies so if you're interested in one, just reach out to us and we will try to get one to you. Yeah, so, we can send it to you. Yep. Yep. So just let us know. But yeah, we're excited. We'll, we'll do a post about that. Yeah, we should do that. By the time that you hear this, it'll already be there. Maybe. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. Who knows? With, with You know what? Maybe it won't be. With how I don't get shit done in a timely you know fashion. What? It'll be a mystery. We'll all go on this adventure together <laughs> of what will happen. Yeah. It'll be fine. 
So, but yeah, yeah. So I just, again, wanted to give them a shout out. So Hinsey Homemade. It's HinseyHomemade.com. It's H-I-N-S-Y-H-O-M-E-M-A-D-E.com. <laughs> like, you got it. You got it, Carol. <laughs> you got it. My son was a spelling champion. His mother, not so much. I am the worst speller. You when really I'm are. typing up my stories... Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of red underlines. Yeah. I'm like, I'll come back to that. Don't you worry. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, what, whatever. Google. Like, Google. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, Google. I got this. So, so funny. It's fine. But yeah. So that was that's pretty much the only thing I have. I don't have any updates on life. Just trying to take it easy. Yeah. I'm tired. So fall is still falling, yep. which is great. Oh, the colors. The colors of fall. Oh my gosh. Pumpkins and apples. Yeah, we need to go to an apple. We should go to an apple orchard and wear our cute bags. And a shacket, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Now I have to get a shacket. <laughs> hey, you need to. We've talked about it yeah. enough now. Basic so. bitch attire. Yeah, exactly. Shacket. Crossbody. Starbucks. Crossbodies. Starbucks. <laughs> pumpkin spice latte. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Sounds good. good to me. Okay. All right. Are you ready for my story? Let's get this over with. Let's do it. That's the attitude <laughs> I want to hear. So excited. Okay. So I am going to be telling you the story of Charlie Brandt. Okay. So this case is wild. You're going to kind of go on a little bit of a roller coaster okay. with me. Okay. A little gruesome too, but the details of the gruesomeness are important to how the police investigate it. So I'm going to discuss them. They're not quite as gruesome. I mean, they're gruesome. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I wouldn't say to the level of yours, though. No. So, um, but there are some gruesome details, okay. but it's important to the story. So, a little bit of a trigger warning, but I mean, again, it's After, If you listen to If mine, you made it through Robbins, you're going to be fine. Yeah. So, let's start at the beginning. Charlie Brandt was born on February 23rd, 1957 to Herbert and Isla Brandt, who were two German immigrants. He was the second child and had an older sister named Angela and also two younger sisters. They originally were in Texas but moved to Connecticut and then eventually settled in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Herbert was a laborer for a division of International Harvester and worked his way up to a project engineer. Back then, Charlie was described as a normal kid who liked to play football and just spend time with his dad. All the moving around made him a little bit shy, though. He was a good student, but he did have difficulty adjusting to his new schools. The family also liked to vacation in Florida where Charlie would hunt small game with his father. Oh, okay. Sounds pretty. Sounds like a good life for me. So far, so good, right? Sounds okay. Okay. Now, we're just going to fast forward in life. Now, it's 2004, and Charlie is married to his wife, Terry. And they live together in Big Pine Key, Florida. Charlie had been living in Florida most of his adult life at this point, other than a few years when he lived in the Bahamas. Tough, right? He grew up to be an engineer where he was in charge of a radar blip to stop drugs being smuggled into the U.S. Charlie and Terry got married in 1986, and they loved each other like they really loved each other for those 18 years. They would make each other's lunches each day because lunch made by someone you love tasted better. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, because like making your own lunch is boring, but if someone you love makes your lunch, it's just is that how that works? I mean, you you're married. Is that what happens? Does Uh, food taste better when Matt makes it? I don't know. Does it taste better when Matt makes your dinner? Yes, because somebody's (laughs) making me dinner. 
together. <laughs> like, actually, yes, it does. Yes, it is. I love how you threw that back. You're like, um, you're in this relationship, you are too. too. <laughs> yeah. So it's September 2004, and Hurricane Ivan was going on. So Charlie boarded up their home like an engineer would. It was very detailed, very meticulous, and to the T. Like, boards are cut like exactly even really? like i mean can you imagine like you know if we're leaving like frantic like leaving your house like things are just it's, frantic yeah. right yeah everything is cut like exactly even because he's an engineer that's his brain and i get that the engineers are the worst clients in real estate right. because real estate is so like go 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 and they want to sit and think about every right. little thing so this is so it cracks me up because i'm like every time someone's like oh i'm an engineer i'm like okay can you buy any other time and not during a seller's market because yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna so, be able to hang right so he's an engineer okay. so they, and they left the house in like perfect condition wow so clean you know, so like they left like everything's yeah, I great so, I don't. I don't do that now. Right. Oh, when I'm so not even frantic. Just, yeah, this is okay. how they are. So they didn't think they'd be gone long, but they evacuated. You know, like they should. Like yep. they were being told to leave, so they did. On September second, they made the drive a few hours north to go stay with Terry's niece, Michelle Jones, who was 37 years old, who lived near Orlando. Everything seemed fine, and while there, Charlie even visited his father and his younger sister, Jessica. Michelle kept up their normal routine, kept up her normal routine with work, working out and talking to her mom, Mary Lou, on the phone each day. Michelle loved her aunt and uncle, so Charlie and Terry, mm-hmm. and she was excited to have them at her house and to be spending time with them. Okay. So something to keep in mind, when I first listened to this story, when they said niece, I didn't hear Michelle's age right away. Okay. So Michelle's 37. So, okay, she's, so she's not that age. much. Yeah. She's not that much younger than them. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like sometimes when you hear niece, you think like oh, younger. Oh, like a child. Yeah. Chunk. For like, sure. Yeah. Or I mean, like 20s or right. something. Right. So she's not like that much younger. So just okay. keep that in mind. She's 37. Okay. Michelle had spoken to a friend of hers earlier in the evening on Monday, Lisa Emmons, who was going to come over that Monday night to her house, but she had told her not to because her aunt and uncle had had too much to drink and were arguing. She thought it would be awkward, and so she told Lisa to come over a different time. One day, however, Mary Lou, Michelle's mother, couldn't get a hold of Michelle, which worried her because they talked every day. But after Monday, September 13th, so they had been there for a little while, there was no contact. The calls were going right to voicemail. Mary Lou Lou thought it was strange. She couldn't get a hold of Michelle on Tuesday then, but she still just brushed it off. She thought maybe she was just busy. When it was the same the following following day, she became even more worried. So on Wednesday, September 15th, when she tried to call Terry and she couldn't get an answer, she became even more worried. So next, Mary Lou called a friend of Michelle's to see if she could go over to the house to check on it. Mary Lou stayed on the phone while Debbie Knight, Michelle's friend, got there to look around. She saw that Michelle's car and Charlie's car were still there, which was strange. There was also two days' worth of mail in the mailbox and two newspapers on the ground. She knocked and was calling their names, but no one was answering the door. When she looked into the garage, that is when she saw it. She saw Charlie's body hanging from the roof rafters of the garage from a bed sheet. She immediately dialed 911. Oh. Okay, so Charlie killed himself. So Charlie had committed suicide. And we don't know why. We don't know why. Okay. 
When police entered Michelle's house in the 48 Hours episode, Debbie states that the three Seminole County Sheriff deputies, when they arrived, they entered the house only to return about 40 seconds later, all throwing up in the yard. What? It was all so hard to witness. They found Terry dead on the couch, slumped over from being stabbed seven times in the chest. So Charlie's wife. Okay. As they made their way up to Michelle's bedroom, they found her dismembered body. What? Michelle's cause of death was one stab wound to her chest, but what else was done afterwards was much worse. Was Richard Chase there? I I know. So when we originally, we didn't know each other's cases. So for the live show, our cases were different but similar, and you'll hear why. Okay. Her head had been placed next to her body and almost so that she could watch what her attacker oh was doing. Oh, my God. And her hair was brushed away from her face so their eyes could see. Her breasts were severed from her body no. along with her left leg, and her entire body had been cut open almost with perfect surgical precision. Her organs, even oh my God. including her heart, were removed and placed all around her body, and her intestines were found in the trash. What? Yep. I don't remember this from the live show. You really don't? No. I think because, like, I, again, was so focused on what my... Yeah. This is awful. I you Her head? Her head was decapitated and, from her body oh, and placed next to fuck. her body, facing her body to, like, That's witness awful. what was happening to her body. You know what I think it was? I think that when you said the... the decapitated. The, the, I think I shut down because my yeah. brain... That's the part where I'm stuck right now. So I bet yeah. during the live show, that's where I was like, You're I'm like, not, anyways. I'm not listening to another word Molly says. Okay. Yeah. Holy shit. Right. And Terry was just stabbed seven times. Terry was just and stabbed I, seven times. And I know this saying just stabbed right. sometimes, but wow. Yep. And she was just left on the couch. Nothing else was done to her. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So immediately police believe... This was a murder-suicide with Charlie murdering both women and then going into the garage and killing himself by climbing a stepladder and hanging himself with a bedsheet from the rafters of the garage roof. They didn't find any sort of note, however, from Charlie. So, Charlie's clothes were also found in Michelle's room beside her bed on the ground. Around her room, Victoria's secret underwear were cut up and thrown all around as well. Police think that he probably spent hours in Michelle's room doing this to her body. Michelle's bloody clothes were found also in her bathroom sink. The scene was completely horrific, something from a nightmare. I don't understand how we got to this point. Right. This seems like my guy was a lunatic from day one. I know. How does this engineer kill his wife and his niece? Right. You're like, I'm going to tell you. I will tell you. There's more pages. I know, but I'm just floored. I know. This is a crazy story. And it's not even just kill. It's I know. like ritual he really, shit. He, he went really for he it. Went, went, he went for it. Holy. So for a few mm. hours afterwards, everyone was just wondering who could have done this. Why did this happen? And they were just in shock. Because the family, they didn't release the details, obviously, right right away. But police then were quick to determine that this was a murder-suicide and kind of informed the family what was going on. Sure. Everyone that knew Charlie, though, they were in complete shock. And to do this to his wife of almost 20 years, who Who he loved so much. Right. Why would he do this? When police looked into Charlie's records, they found nothing. 
like no past records of anything that would indicate that he would be capable of something like this. Like no weird ticket, like nothing. Well, that was until they talked to his sister, Angela. Oh, what does Angela know? Early during the investigation, she approached detectives to let them in on a well-kept family secret. Back on January 3rd, 1971, when Charlie was 13 years old and Angela was 15, they were living with their parents and his two younger sisters um, back in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and their mother, who was also eight months pregnant at the time. That night, the family who had been up watching TV together decided it was all time for bed. His two younger sisters, Jessica and Melanie, who were two and three at the time, went to their bedroom to go to bed. Angela went to her room to read while his parents went to the bathroom to kind of get ready for bed. Um, then his father went to was in the bathroom shaving and his mom was taking a, went to take kind of a soak in the bathtub because she was pregnant, yeah. you know, kind oh, yeah. of like trying to relax for yeah. the night. Charlie entered the room holding a gun right before 9 p.m. Uh, what? Angela overheard her dad say, Charlie, no, Charlie, stop, right before gunshots were fired. Charlie shot his father in the back several times and then shot his mom five times while she was in the tub. Oh, my God. She managed to yell out to Angela to call the police, but those were the last words that she ever spoke. Oh, no. Charlie then entered Angela's bedroom, and they started fighting over the gun, but the gun failed to fire, thankfully, after he aimed it directly at her. She then tried to calm him down by saying she loved him and asking him what he was doing. Charlie then said to her, what did I do? You're going to leave me, aren't you? Charlie then, um, she told him no, but obviously when she had the chance, she ran out of the room and out the front door to their neighbor's house. Her nightgown was bloody, and she was barefoot in the snow, and she was screaming. She eventually made it to a neighbor's house, but they didn't answer right away, so she ran across the street to a different house and then inside to safety. But then Charlie made it to the door that Angela had first knocked on and then barely lightly knocked on it, and then a 16-year-old named Sandy opened the door, and there stood Charlie, who told her that he had just shot his parents. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being a 16-year-old girl, by no. the way? You're like, hey, Charlie. He's like, that- I just shot my parents. Oh, okay. So. What the fuck? Yeah. Angela told detectives that she saw evil and a glazed over look in Charlie's eyes. And then it just disappeared. Like he almost just snapped out of it. I'm shocked because my brain right now is saying, what was this psychopath doing out Mm -hmm. where he could start a life with other people? Right. Yeah. 70s, man. It's the 70s. So Charlie's father survived. Remember, okay. he went to okay, go visit right. him. Yep. Oh, that's right. Okay, yep. Um, While he was staying with Michelle. Yep. But his mother and his unborn sibling did not. Ugh. His father was questioned by police at the time, asking why he thought Charlie did this, but he just had no answers for them and told detec- detectives that he had no idea. Charlie was even known to others to be a mama's boy and had to have a very good relationship with his mom. Why he would do this was unthinkable. 
At the time in Indiana at age 13, Charlie was too young to be held criminally responsible for what he did, so charges were never filed. Oh, my God. But there was a grand jury investigation to try to at least figure out a motive. Did they figure it out? From that, it was recommended that Charlie go for psychiatric treatment due to concerns that such antisocial conduct could repeat itself in the future. Uh, yeah. Do, do you think it could repeat itself in the future? He killed his fucking mom. Yeah. And tried to kill the rest of his family. Right. Yeah, I'd say so. Lock him up, throw away the goddamn key. Right. So he underwent three separate psychological evaluations by three different psychiatrists to try to figure out why he might have done this. Unfortunately, no conclusions or answers were ever determined, and they and all the evaluations stated that Charlie had no mental illness that they could clearly diagnose. I say this was the seventies, though, and maybe now that they do more do know more about mental health and mental illness, something could have been discovered. They came to the conclusion that he was just hallucinating at the time of the murders. He was found to be mature for his age, and that he did well in school with no behavioral issues. That he was a good kid who loved his family and showed no signs of mental illness. I'm like, I beg to differ. I'm like floored right now. I know. They're just like, oh, he was hallucinating. Go on, live your life. I know. I think shooting your family might show that maybe there's something off. I'm no doctor. I mean, even but I don't my, have a degree. Listen, even on the days where I have been... And you have, like, when my grandma died and my yeah. mom and I were at each other's throats, we said some shit to each other. Mm -hmm. But never in a million years would I think of killing my family. Right. Yeah, so I don't write know. it off as a fucking hallucination and, oh. Uh, I know. He's mature. Right. That's not a mature response I know. To I don't know what. So after this, Charlie was sent to an Indiana psychiatric hospital for a year. Oh, so until his father decided it was time for him to come out. Come on. A, good, a year is good enough, right? So his father knew more than the doctors who were treating him. Well, and I can't believe this father. Who was shot. Shot. And it, saw him kill his wife, wife and his mother. Yeah. The, you're telling me that you're like, oh, let me just go put myself in front of the kid that tried kinda, to kill me. Kind of like um, your story, the mother. Yeah. Yeah. What is wrong with people? Parents if in the 70s. Listen, if your kid is a lunatic... Let them get the hell Let they need. them get the I shouldn't say lunatic. No, but if they if they're having <laughs> no, mental like, if, if they have mental kid, illness and they need help, if your they, kid let them is get the killing people, yeah. probably should let lock them, get them the up help and they put need. the way that you know, yeah, the help they need. Lock so his father petitioned the courts and the courts were like, sure, absolutely. Take him out. Yep. So he won what Charlie's release. And the family moved to Ormond Beach, Florida, and that dark family secret was never talked about again. And so let me get this straight. Angela's just like, I guess we're we're a family again. Can you imagine Angela? She's like, um, Dad, so can I can I just say something? I'd like him not to come out. Honestly, <laughs> can we not get him out? Actually, yeah. Can we just maybe? I'd like to live my life. I'd like to not have Charlie around, please. Like, how did she ever sleep again? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So they just sealed it up and pushed down that deep down family secret. Usually good to do, right? That's what you do. Sure. 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 So the younger sisters always thought that their mother just died in a car accident. Stop it. Can you her. imagine the shell shock when all this shit all came of this out? Came out right. Oh my gosh. They have no memory of that night, thankfully. Yeah. So that following year, Charlie's father with his new wife, he remarried within a year, and their two and the two younger sisters moved back to Indiana, but. 
Angela and Charlie stayed in Florida and lived with their grandparents. Did his father regret his decision to take Charlie out of the hospital and move to protect his younger sisters, maybe? Who knows? If I were Angela, I would be sleeping with one one eye open forever. (laughs) If I was living with Charlie or really anywhere near him or just knowing what I did know about him in general, how she just went on being okay with this, I have no idea. I don't understand this at all. She's like, I was there, you guys. Like, yeah, he pointed a fucking gun at me. She's like, I saw the look in his face and like, yeah. Oh, no thank you. There's more about like what she says later. Yeah. After hearing about this family secret, Mary Lou, who was um, Terry's mom, didn't think that Terry knew about it. She didn't think her sister would have ever married She didn't think that she she would have ever married um, Charlie knowing what he did when he was 13. Well, yeah, and I feel like she probably, if she did know, I'm sure she would have confided in someone about it. Mary Lou said that Herbert, Charlie's father, also never reached out to them after the murder and instead just kept that secret even though it wasn't a secret anymore. So he didn't reach out after the murders because he knows that the blood is on his hands, essentially. Basically, yeah. Yeah. He just kind of kept it. I hope that that's how he feels because... That's awful. Yep, he just kind of kept on pretending like it didn't happen. What a dumb shit. Um, there is someone within the family that believes that Terry actually did know about the secret, though, and that's Charlie's former brother-in-law, Jim Graves, who was Angela's ex-husband. Okay. Jim was one of Charlie's best friends and was actually married to Angela for a while in the 80s, and she told her husband at the time what Charlie had done. Because she just couldn't not tell him. Well, yeah, okay. Before Charlie and Terry got married, Jim was actually the one to try to get Charlie to come clean to Terry and tell her the truth about his past. Jim thinks that Charlie did actually come clean because of a conversation he had one time with Terry. She had said, considering everything that had happened in the past, it's not a good idea to have kids with Charlie. Uh, yeah. He didn't push it more, but he just assumed that she meant because of what Charlie had done. Right before Jim divorced Angela, he met up with Charlie for drinks years in the past. So this was back in the 80s. Jim hadn't thought of it too much at the time back then, but when Charlie was talking about the topic of revenge, you know, kind of guy talk, you know, you're just kind of talking about getting divorced and all of that. He had said, well, you know, you need to kill them and cut their heart out. What? That statement shocked and creeped Jim out a bit at the time, but he just kind of brushed it off. But after the murders of both Michelle and Terry, he remembered that conversation and thinks there was more to what Charlie was saying, also because of Charlie's dark past. You know, I sometimes joke right. about things like that. Like, you gotta I'll be kill like, him. Yeah, like, well, I'll be like, well, if you're gonna bury a body, make sure you do it in a cemetery, da 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 da, because there was already dead body. I'm kidding. Right. Like, that, I don't talk about. Cutting someone's heart out, though, that seems a little... Right. A little yeah. stronger. Especially he knew about right. his past, that right. he killed his mom. And yeah. Uh-uh, no. I don't know if I like that. Right. The way that Charlie murdered Michelle and Terry, that didn't seem like a first-time kill. Even though he had killed his mom in the past, but the precision and the way that he oh, went about it. come on. Even though he had killed in the past when he was 13, the way he killed with the precision and how everything was so calculated and planned out, something told detectives that there was more to this all. What? When detectives went to Charlie and Terry's house, they were met with an interesting scene, to say the least. Charlie was a monthly subscriber to Victoria's Secret Catalogs. He was, not Terry. 
Even more creepy, hanging on the back of their bedroom door was a poster of the female anatomy and detail of the skeletal and muscular systems. Okay. And it wasn't like some cool vintage type poster that you might get at like a flea market, like, you know, like really neat. Yeah. No, it was like a surgical medical looking one that you would get like if you were like a doctor, like studying, like going through school, right? That you would have to like use like to, you know, heal and treat people, like keep people alive, not kill people. (laughs) Okay. Right? Yeah. Some people have art prints hanging up in their bedrooms. Charlie had surgical anatomy posters. A little different than me. It was super detailed and yeah, it was something to study, not to have his art. Okay. Not something a normal couple would have hanging up. So like, I don't know why Terry was like, yeah, let's let's have that up too. Like why that wasn't a red flag. I don't. They also found medical journals and other surgery, like surgery themed books. And he's too. an engineer. And he's an engineer. Okay. Right. Not something an engineer that Charlie would have. Right. Or should have in right. his home. When detectives looked at Charlie's computer, you always got to look at the computer. You can imagine what they found, and it wasn't good. His history showed that he would often frequent websites that showed snuff films depicting violence against women. He liked to view autopsy photos and also focus his search on necrophilia. More creepy things that were found out about Charlie. His co-workers told detectives that he had an unhealthy obsession with his niece, Michelle. Oh. And he always talked about how beautiful she was and that none of the guys she dated were good enough for her. That's nice. Oh, and then he actually referred to her as Victoria's Secret. Oh, no. His co-workers didn't even know that her name was Michelle because that is what he called her, Victoria's Secret. Oh, no. Yeah. So he was, like, obsessed with her. Oh, no. Like, not in, like, a uncle kind of way. Oh. Michelle's family was left in shock. They had known Charlie for almost 20 years, and even though he had always been a bit strange, you know, sometimes, he was always kind and seemed to love Terry and Michelle, too. Michelle would have been completely disgusted if she knew the truth of what Charlie thought about her. Oh, no. This is awful. Like, I'm just still floored about the fact that he comes off, you, the way you set this up, he comes off as just a normal freaking dude. Yeah. And now... Kind of up until age, like, 13, and kind of seemed like he was, like, as yeah. a kid. And well, then... Like, not knowing that about him, too, though. Like, up to the hurricane. Yeah. Like, we're going, yeah. we're, you know, yep. we are making each other's lunches. No, he's a Just fucking a nice lunatic. Guy. Just a nice guy, but he's not. <laughs> not. Police didn't believe that after seeing what Charlie did to Michelle, that it was his first time killing. So they started to look into other unsolved cases that would have been linked to him. They started by checking where he had gone for his travel schedule for work. For his job, he would travel around the country and even abroad, which is perfect for someone that is trying to commit murders and get away with it. Right. They then inquired in Florida and around the country for any murders that used similar ways of killing, like he did to Michelle's body. Criminal profiler Leslie D'Ambrosia who consulted for the 48 Hours program about this case, said in Charlie's case, he was quite organized, planned, intelligent, and very reliable and responsible. Charlie's trademark lies in his precision and methodological techniques. Detectives got a hit. The cold case of 38-year-old Sherry Pasheel. This lined up with something Jim ended up coming to investigators with, too. Oh, 
Jim told investigators that Terry came to him one time saying she actually suspected Charlie had something to do with a different murder, the murder of a woman named Sherry, and she wanted to report it to police. Terry said that Charlie came home the night of July 16, 1989, and he was covered in blood, and he went inside the room where he usually filleted fish. Then she opened the door of the room to ask what was going on, and he said that it was just fish's blood, but she looked around and there were no fish. Jim told Terry that if she called the police at the time, that it would probably end their marriage. So to think about that. And she ended up never reporting it. Um, no. You, oh, let me think. Do I want to be married to a murderer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess I'll keep my mouth shut. He, he makes was, the best lunches, though. Such a good lunch. Such a good lunch. Yeah, it's probably, oh, God, gross. Just yeah. gross. So Sherry's partially clothed body was found floating in the water near the North Pine Channel Bridge at Big Pine Key. Her throat had been slashed and her head was almost completely severed and her heart had been removed. Oh, my. Sherry was a local homeless woman who actually lived in her rowboat, the same rowboat that was used as a cutting board against her. On the underside bottom of the boat, you can see deep cut marks. Oh, no. This is all less than 1,000 feet from where Charlie lived. And he happened to also match the composite sketch of the man that was seen crossing U.S. Route 1 near where she was discovered the night that she was murdered by a local fisherman. The sketch looks almost identical to what Charlie would have looked like at that age. Based on this evidence, Monroe County investigators determined that Brandt killed Sherry and officially closed the case on May 6, 2006. So I have a question, and I don't know if you have an answer to this. Uh, Maybe. So what... Were they, did, do you, I don't know how, how do I even word this? Did they collect his DNA, do you think, to maybe put into the system for any Not other? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good question, but yeah. Like, I feel like that's something they should have done because they could put it in, what is it? The, the I'm going to, I'm going to say that they probably did. Yeah. But that's a good question. Because I wonder how many more there are. I think that if they started to question, you know. Yeah. I'm sure that they had some way of collecting. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not going to say the police aren't looking into it, but it makes you wonder, like, with how much he traveled for work, I wonder if they have any of these unsolved cases where they have some DNA sitting around that they could test and see if it's a match. Yep. Now, did you, and I'm sorry if I missed this, did he rape or do anything to any of these women? No, not that I ever heard or read about. Okay. Nope, it just seemed like he murdered that's so crazy. So what mm-hmm. was driving the murders? What? I don't know. And he killed himself. So it's like, you yeah, can't really, never know. he didn't leave a note. And yeah, just it's weird. Yeah. I, he seemed like someone that was very um, calculated, controlled. He yeah. wanted, like, he liked to have control. And like, yeah. I, I think he I, just, it was all about the control. I know, but it's it like, it like. makes you wonder, what did he get out of yeah. killing his wife? His niece that he was obsessed with. I think with. his wife was a witness. Yeah. And his niece, it was just that. Maybe it became too much when they were living in the same house. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Crazy. So, detectives were able to tie another murder to Charlie from the Miami area in 1995. Darlene Toller was a sex worker in the area who was found on the highway. Her head had been severed from her body and her heart had been removed. She was found wrapped in plastic and then wrapped in a blanket, and on the blanket, two dog's hairs were found. Because of how the murder occurred, Detective Pat Diaz felt that whoever did this definitely knew what they were doing. They also happened to find dog hairs that were identical to the dog hairs on the blanket in the back of Charlie's truck. 
DNA testing on the dog hair was eventually done and confirmed it. Another thing that Charlie did because he was such a meticulous and calculated person, he wrote down his mileage everywhere he went. Looking back at his records, there was a trip from his house to exactly where Darlene was last seen. Oh. Wow. I'm just tr- I'm trying to figure out why. Why he wrote down things yeah. like that? Because he's an engineer. He wrote down his gas mileage to like just keep I'm, a detailed I guess, record. Yeah. I don't know. Probably, and it was a work thing. Yeah, so, I guess. Okay. Yeah. In the book, The Invisible Killer, two more murders have been linked to Charlie, but investigators have not confirmed them. And actually, the families do not like that they have been lumped together with Charlie's victims. So these are a little bit more controversial. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about them. I didn't talk about them in the live show. I just said the names, but yeah. I'll just talk about them a little bit sure. right now. But just know that these have not been confirmed to be Charlie's victims and the families don't really like that they have been kind of linked with Charlie necessarily. They don't believe it? I don't know if they believe it or not, but there's just some controversy okay. with them. So in 1978, the murder of 12-year-old Carol Sullivan, who was abducted from a school bus stop in Volusia County on September 20th, 1978. Charlie was living in that county at the time, and he would have been 20. Um... And the other one is from 1988 and Lisa Saunders, who was 20. She was pulled from her car, beaten and stabbed in Big Pine Key, and she was found. She was missing her heart and a lot of other organs. It can't be known for sure if her organs were cut out or if vultures, which is what alerted authorities to her body in the first place, were the ones who had damaged her body. But knowing the location, chances are that this was also Charlie. But we could have just he could have just not been as well practiced at that yeah. time so yeah. there's more details for those two but i'm not going to yeah. talk about them but just know those are two other ones that have been looked at for charlie okay terry also kept a daily journal and when you look at the dates when charlie is out of town or acting strange a lot of the time it lines up with the suspected murders but we can't use this as absolute proof but it is something yeah. to kind of think about and that detectives have looked at okay Angela said that she was glad that Charlie had committed suicide because now she could sleep at night. I mean, For some yeah. 20 years, she was not allowed, she would not allow the air conditioner to run, the windows to be open, and her, and unlocked in her home because she was afraid. She was afraid Charlie would come back to kill her. Yeah. Yeah. I would be too. The Brandt family did not want to release Charlie's mental health records, but back in July of 2006, an Indiana judge ruled that they had to be released to investigator Rob Hermert. Hermert says that the records have been helpful in understanding the motive for Charlie's crimes, but that's really, that's all been said about that. So there are so many unsolved murders, and in the years after Michelle and Terry's murders, investigators researched Charlie's life and travels, and since he moved to Florida in 1973, there have been 26 unsolved slains in Florida alone that fit his M.O. Holy moly. So they're thinking that there could be up to 26 murders that Charlie might have been responsible for. Oh, my gosh. Investigators are still trying to link him to more of these to this day, but we'll never know the exact number or the reasons why. Like, and I don't mean to, like, blame someone, but you... His dad took him out. His dad took him out. I know. Isn't that something to think about? How, like, how can you do that? I don't know. I don't get it. I look at all the lives. I know that. Just that's fucked up. Yeah, that's fucked up. 
And I mean, and I think that there's pretty strong evidence that a lot of these murders yeah. are Charlie. Yeah. I mean, well, it, and it makes sense, like, because the later ones that you hear about, like Michelle and, and the way she was, like, cut up and everything, it says it's with precision and everything. So he had to have been practicing on something. Yep. So, oh. Yeah. Oh. And if he traveled a lot for work, that is just. Yeah, this is a pretty, this was a really interesting case. There's a lot of good. Um, like I have goosebumps. Yeah, like, there's a lot of good, a lot of good podcasts like out about this one. one of the most notorious serial killers without yep. us even knowing. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. No, this is a really, this, when I found this one, I was like, oh, this is and a good one to there do. there was a 48 hours episode yep. on this? Okay, I want to watch that. Yeah, this That's is really a really cool. good, this is a really good, um, I mean, it's not a good case, but it's a very interesting, interesting case. Interesting, because there's still so much more to learn. Yeah. So, and we'll never know because he killed himself. I know. Like, that's the part. Where, and I, I think that, like, his niece, you know, I think Michelle, I think after he killed her and did that, she's like, I'm done now. Yeah, well, he's never going to get away with it. Yeah. His wife is dead. His niece is yeah, dead. Like, that was his final. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Yeah. So the house, located at 390 Hickory Drive, Maitland, Florida. Um, it's located in Druid Hills Park. This home was built in 1962, and it's a four-bed, two-bath home, and it comes in a little under 2,000 square feet, and it has a pool like a lot of Florida homes do. Michelle had bought the home in December of 2020, I mean 2002 for $185,000, and then it was sold in December 2004 for $267,000. Okay. Next time it was sold was in 2012 for $135,000, then 2013, then 2015 it was listed, and full, and then it sold again in 2018, and then it sold again in 2020 um, for $340,000. Okay. So right now, um, its estimate for its value is right around four hundred sixty-six, but it's currently off the market. Okay. So, so it's had a good sales history there. Yeah, it's had a good sales history oh. and nothing like crazy, but yeah. But yeah, you can go online and it's just like, you know, creepy to Yeah. That that's one of the houses where it's like he was hanging in the garage and Yeah. In the bedroom and the living room. So yeah. there's like three different spots in that home where people were dead. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. My goodness. So yeah, that is the story of um Charlie Brandt and he might be one of yeah the most undetected serial killers that in America. That is nuts. He could have killed up to, I mean, killed his mom and his unborn brother, sibling, sibling yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then Michelle and Michelle. Sherry and Terry, and then and wasn't there another one yep. in there? And her, um, um, she was the sex yep. worker, right? Yep. Why can't I think of her name off the top? Of my head? Um, I just said it. Um, it starts with a D. Dawn. Delaney. Darlene. Darlene. I was, it was, a, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, I'm interested because like, I hope somebody is still trying to like piece. I hope that they're still working them. on yeah. a lot of this. Damn. Yeah. My mind is blown. I, I know. The way you set that up, I did not see that coming. And it's yeah. funny because I, I remember bits and pieces of this from the live show, but I was such a fucking basket case yeah. that it didn't stick. Yeah. So this is this, no, this is was a really good, good case. This was a good case. When I found this one, yeah. I was like, and I listened to it. Yeah. Um, I actually listened to the Red Handed um, podcast of this one. It's a really yeah. good one. So I was like, ooh, this is an interesting yeah. one. So yeah, it was a good definitely listen if you're interested in this one. There's a lot of good podcasts out there about it. So listen to more of them. Yeah. So. Good. Great yeah. job. That Thanks. was good. Thanks. 
Um, you know what I just remembered too? What? We never did our ten thousand download giveaway. We should do that. <laughs> we should probably do that because we're all, we're at eleven thousand. We're gonna do it. <laughs> so no, not eleven thousand. Ten thousand one. No, eleven thousand. Are we at eleven thousand? Well, that's what it would be. That oh yeah, be, that's how it goes. That's how the numbers work. <laughs> Oh yeah, so yep. we're at eleven thousand. Yep. So it's wow. next up. Um, yep. So we need to do that though. Yep. So we're we'll gonna put that. we're gonna put a gift basket together of things from Hinzy Homemade. Our friend Vesta has made some things for us as well. So her company Vesta's Visions, and we're just gonna put a Scoopy Scoopy from Culver's. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I have a lot of them. We can put a couple in. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> Spooky. Spooky. <laughs> oh, we'll put a spooky basket together. And okay. It can be our Halloween 10,000 yep, giveaway. Yeah, I love it. We'll do okay. that. Okay. So, good. I need to go. You know what? <laughs> we're going to check out for the night is what we're going to do. We're, we're going to go done. have some chicken pot pie. Chicken pot pie. Watch some friends. Yep. And relax. Yeah. So. But no, thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And you know we- where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, all the... Th- Email Website. us. Website. Just track us down. Let's find do us. Find us. Come find <laughs> us, please. Please don't. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Ow. Have a good week. Thanks. Bye.